This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. It's the it's the end phase, which is the you know great quality event when it or whether it's lights or sound or video or whatever. But uh, if you run into trouble beforehand, your troubleshooting skills are uh, is the thing that really gets you out of trouble. Hey everybody, I have the real pleasure to have on this episode of Jamsters one of India's finest life sound engineers, Fali Damania. Ladies and gentlemen, brings with him around 20 years of experience in the sound arena and has clocked nearly 2000 shows across the world, working alongside some of the most iconic marquee artists that we love such as AR Rahman, Amit Trivedi, Shankar Mahadevan, Sonu Nigam, to mention a few over the years. He's also the market development manager for South Asia at the global microphone and audio products giant Shure. Fali Thank you for joining me on this episode of Jamsters. Hardik, thank you very much uh, for having me. It's a pleasure. I must start off with asking you because when I was searching about you and even in our previous conversation that we had on one of the other events, um I'm very curious to know Fali, what is it that you really do? <laughs> That's a question I get from a lot of people. So I I I came up with this answer a few years ago. Well, when you visit a concert as an audience member, and what you hear in the sound system of the concert your favorite artists that's on stage and singing and you know theater and whatever it may be um so what you hear as an audience member is basically what i do so my role is to make sure that the uh, music or the conversation or whatever it may be that's happening on stage is translated in the best possible way to the uh, audience that's my role as a sound engineer interesting uh fall you started at a time uh, when the industry was very nascent uh people did not have understanding of the roles that you were doing in fact in many of the cases when you were probably pitching people just wanted to give it a shot and see what is it that you do and then see uh, how the role evolves over a period of time um from the time you started um i am very curious to know how was it that you fell into doing what you're doing So the thing is the role of a sound engineer is not new. Uh the difference is that when I gave it a shot um most of the sound engineers in live sound were also studio engineers. So you know if an artist goes to a studio they have like a favorite studio that they like to visit because of their favorite engineer and it just so happened that those engineers uh started going out for their you know for that artist's live performances as well um i didn't have a studio and i don't come from a studio background mm-hmm. um so for me it was a little you know took a little convincing uh and at a certain point it was just you know you take whatever work uh comes your way and i guess uh, i must have been doing something correct because uh soon enough the calls started coming in from you know mainstream bollywood and uh, other avenues and uh, yeah that was a good i would say 15 to 16 years ago so that's a very modest way of putting a journey i must put it out there because i think uh, the way you started off uh, was um, as being an intern and and think you're an electronics engineer and um, you yeah. also had a role uh, that you were chosen for uh, from your campus with a giant called cognizant and uh, that's true you left that um and 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 the journey has been totally different tell me more about that please I mean I was always very clear I would say right since I was a child because even in school my first um you know whenever we visited the school auditorium was you know the the sound consoles or the amplifiers or the speakers and you know uh, it was just a, a passion right from as early as I can remember and even though you know the engineering electronics engineering thing happened um that was more uh something to fall back on you know because uh, at that point this stream was so nascent um uh, that i could not really take a chance and you know full gratitude to my parents for mm-hmm. making me see that <laughs> as a youngster you don't see things that way uh but yeah i got done with uh, engineering and uh, post that uh, i uh mentioned to the parents that this is really what i want to pursue and thankfully they were quite uh, supportive but you know given 
particularly uh, the choice that you were making uh, between getting fairly decent pay package back then yeah choosing that versus something that uh, <laughs> parents may not have heard about the sector you want yeah. to venture into um yeah. why the conviction how did that actually happen because you mentioned that you already had an inclination even when you were in school or in college yeah. towards audio and yeah. and that's a that's a relatively very niche interest to have in uh people would go for more yeah. outwardly exposures towards things about you know sports or 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 entertainment right. or whatever like anything of that nature right. Right. but you're talking about right. audio in particular um were yeah. you like musically gifted or inclined uh anything of that nature I I I'm, I'm not necessarily musically gifted yeah I I do play the guitar for example and I used to play in a band back in the day but nothing um on a very professional uh level um it was just um, I think possibly the upbringing uh, you know even my parents uh, there was always music playing in the house and music from across the world so we'd be listening to everything from uh Mamad Rafi song to Elvis Presley to the Beatles to the Rolling Stones you know um so it was just as long as i can remember from a very young a very very young age there was always music there always be music even when we were studying for example hmm. there be something playing in the background and um you know it just came to a point where it was you know you either choose to become a professional musician which i was kind of already on my way uh, or then um you know see what not what's not really happening and at that point what was not really happening was freelance uh, live sound engineers um and i decided to go down that route because i get to put some of the electronics training to use uh, and i get to be surrounded with uh, music so it seemed like the best fit of both worlds basically Hmm hmm you know uh, in the same breath you mentioned a little while back that there were studio engineers who were also doubling up as live sound yeah. engineers um yeah. and also people who do uh, sound engineering for films as well um but yeah. how did live sound you know come about and, and why this particular interest well i i guess um i've uh, one of the things which drew me more to this uh, path was uh, my love for traveling and mm. as a studio engineer you're you know pretty much stuck to the studio and uh, as a live sound engineer then i get to uh, work with music or theater i get to travel um and you know there's a good dose of electronics uh, included um so i think it was a combination of of everything and don't get me wrong it was there's it's not been like um, there were times where i didn't feel i was you know either wasting my time or you know yeah, i should yeah. go back to doing something traditional <laughs> but uh, but yeah i mean it just just you know heads down and um put in the work and the study and um here we are i guess you know one of the things of uh, and and i've often thought about this is that uh, when you start off early uh, the risk appetite that you have is far far higher and yeah. uh, the ability to take chances to fall and get back up is far far higher uh, do you think yeah. that adds as some form of leverage for you to be able to do what you did earlier then oh no no question about it because the thing is at at that age you know you don't really have much to lose um you know when i'm saying that age i'm talking about maybe 18 19 hmm. like hmm. you know um you don't have much to lose uh, so so you either uh don't give it a shot and then kind of regret it or then you give it a shot and see what happens with it and i think it took around i would say from maybe 2004 to around i would say 2008 to kind of really stabilize and uh 2000 i would say 9 and 10 onwards uh, up till today has thankfully been quite uh, quite rewarding both in the um uh i should say both in the um artistic form 
um and but the thing is with all of this and especially living in mumbai uh artistic side is one thing and the financial side is the other one that is very true so unless i definitely yeah. want to unpack that because a lot of artists out there uh yeah. and people generally in the creative space uh do dabble yes. a lot with these self doubt and primarily that involves yeah. around finances um absolutely and 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 that's a, that's that's such an important point to make because there is one drive that you have you believe in your passion um but the yeah. other thing is to hustle to be out there to market yourself consistently um Yeah. you mentioned a little while back that from the 2004 to 2008 period uh, it took time to yeah. stabilize uh, what do you really mean by that was it was it more financial stability um both financial and you know to start getting calls rather than keep making calls so mm. um you know when you talk about marketing in this field every event that you do is basically marketing mm. because the better you do that and um you know every average event at least has a couple of hundred people and for some of the larger ones couple of thousand people there um so you know you you need to kind of do every single concert or show uh as if it is your last one and you know the, the saying when you um uh, do something for the last time you want to just make sure it's the best you give it your best true True. you give it your best and in my case it was every show is the last one so let's just give 100% 110% to every single one um you know and i i do that till today and um the thing is on the road can be extremely fatiguing extremely tiring but uh the moment you're up and out there in front of an audience you know in front of a band and a stage suddenly all that tiredness goes away oh, and I uh, completely agree with the sentiment Yeah, you just continue then doing what you're uh, kind of good at, and uh, you'll find that very often, as tired as you may be before an event, uh, considering that the event goes well, the same amount of just being completely awake and the adrenaline kind of goes through the roof. Um, so it's it's uh, I think it's it's a mix of of everything, but it did take a good amount of time for I think four or five years for things to stabilize for. uh calls to start coming in on themselves so based on one event you get a call for the next one and based on that you get a call for the third one and so on and so forth um yeah and and i think you you've made such an interesting point i think uh, as as a live performing artist myself as an anchor when i'm on stage um and when i'm traveling uh, fully i think uh, there are times when i completely agree with you there are like 10 11 hour 12 hour days when you're doing really intense work continuously talking all through the day but uh, at the end of the day you're completely exhausted but you you sleep peacefully i mean at least i felt that way yeah. um and and the next morning when you hit the stage again or when you hit the camera again uh, there is a joy of a different kind which is again unparalleled to the one that you had a day prior uh, like you mentioned you want to give it your best and and that's just yeah. how it is we are as good as our last show absolutely i mean there is no other way so the thing is if you have something to fall back on uh, you're not really going to give it your all but if you don't have anything to fall back on and this is the only thing you really ever want to do that makes the drive uh and the resolve to do it much uh, much much stronger uh, i would say you know I've, i've always told this to uh, uh you know friends and conversation family members that you can never teach hunger you can teach talent you can teach skill um uh, you can give examples of people but you cannot teach hunger it's it's very internally driven yeah absolutely i have no no question uh, about that and specifically sometimes when it comes to specialty fields um you know there's no i mean the bottom line is i never saw myself doing a 9 to 5 job ever mm-hmm. and i wanted to travel and i wanted to do something with music um these were the uh you know i i would um, fool around with my friends back in college and it's like you know guys i'm never going to be wearing a suit and tie to <laughs> office ever you know <laughs> i've chosen my career based on uh comfort so i can actually wear you know shorts and a t-shirt and go to work and everyone's going to be perfectly fine with that mm-hmm. uh so it's it's a mix of um, it's a mix of a lot of things and i i i think in the in the 2004 2008 period uh, i believe you were working somewhere uh, or you were in between jobs what was it yeah. like no so i was i was uh, the only real job at that point that i held was with a company called sound.com uh sound.com happens to be a very reputed uh yeah yeah warren de souza 
Yeah, Warren D'Souza. So, rental company in in uh, Mumbai, they pretty much do events all across uh, India and sometimes in our neighboring countries as well. Um, so, I, I worked there for a good uh, five years. And the reason I joined them was, um, see, as a, as a freelancer, you're exposed a lot to, you know, um, the last bit, which is walk in, you know, mix a show and be done. And I wanted a little more exposure when it came to the back-end work. So I wanted exposure to the warehousing side, the setup side, the, you know, the actual electronics and hardware of a PA system, of amplifiers, of, you know, everything in the back-end. And um, thankfully, I got very good exposure in the five years that I was uh, with them. Um, and I think that really set me up for when I was, when I started freelancing in 2010, um, that I was pretty clued into the front end, but also extremely clued into the back end. Uh, so I would say the troubleshooting skills were uh, were pretty good. So, which is uh, say it. I mean, uh, you can look at it any which way you want, but um, a big part of the live sound or live events uh, community is troubleshooting. Mm. Uh, it's the it's the end phase which is the you know great quality event when it or whether it's lights or sound or video or whatever but uh if you run into trouble beforehand your troubleshooting skills uh or is the thing that really gets you out of trouble you know I was talking to one of the event managers i think uh, last year sometime in december uh, is that uh, mm. the role of live artists uh, or the 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 technicians who are involved around to make an event happen is actually that of disaster management and you, you've touched that chord yeah. relatively a little closer to home yeah you know I, I i've always thought of it that way and then you know whenever you speak to or whenever i speak to some of my friends um, you know either in the us or, um, or or europe some of the guys that handle some pretty big accounts mm-hmm. um, like you know justin bieber and drake and all these kind of accounts mm. and their philosophy is very simple it's like you know uh, people who are in the big uh, job roles um, yes they obviously get paid for their talent uh, but they do get paid more because of their troubleshooting skills. So you actually get paid to absolutely make sure that one way or not, you know, no matter if the sky is falling down on you, that that show happens. Hmm. That's that's taken a little more seriously. Uh, don't get me wrong. Of course, mixing a great show is as important. True. But if you can't figure out um, what's wrong at certain times uh, and can't deliver you know, that perfect sounding show, um, then it's pointless. Wow. So the troubleshooting skills uh, is, I would say, as important as mixing a good show. Incredible point. Um, curious to know, uh, because you speak this with a lot of experience uh, at the top of your mind, do you recount some instances where you actually felt that this is an extremely important skill set, uh, much more than just being able to mix? And 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 when when an agency or when a client is actually entrusting you with a very, very important show, let's say with the like of Mr. A.R. Yeah. Rahman, um, the yeah. ability to troubleshoot is far, far more superior. Have you felt that as, uh, you know, an important thing back with that experience? See, the, the, you quote? Yeah, the thing is, the thing is, it's, it's important for any gig, you know, it's like any promoter or any producer of any show, his show is the best uh, at that point for him. So, if I'm in a gig with 200 people today, that 200 people event is the most important for that promoter for that day. You know, so it's, um, you know, and it can come to small things as in, um, you know, sometimes cables not working or sometimes microphones giving issues or it can be various minor things. At times it can be a little more major. It can come down to power supply. It can come down to grounding and earthing and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the thing is, um, what they all appreciate is how fast can you rectify it? Mm. You know, can you rectify it in the next two minutes? Yeah. Can you rectify it in the next five minutes? Great. Uh, you know, is this going to take uh, one hour of sound check time away? Uh, and we hope not most of the time. Uh, but it does, it does, uh, happen. You know, uh, the, from the promoter side, they always look to that one, 
person that they can rely on to have a peaceful sound check for the band to be happy for the audience to be happy and you know basically for everyone to go home um uh happy basically um no one wants on the on on show day no one likes to be addressed with problems mm. uh that's where the troubleshooting skills comes in so you know if something's wrong or something's not happening you need to figure out how to fix it without uh involving higher management and involving the artist and stuff like that which thankfully till date i have not really had to do wow but i know wow. it does happen wow um very interesting to hear so given given the consistency with which you've been operating uh, at live gigs fully uh, is there like a pre event ritual that you go through in terms of checks and stuff or maybe mental uh, processing there's there's a lot so we always uh, make sure our riders are sent out in advance make sure the equipment list as required or requested is in place um you know <clears throat> there are quite a few it's i would say it's become far more mainstream now as compared to many years ago uh, i know back then it used to just be a, every day used to be a fight with someone or the other but <laughs> thankfully those days have <laughs> passed and uh, I, i think a lot of the sound vendors the rental companies and you know um uh, most of them are pretty up to speed um so it's it's uh, yeah sometimes equipment is slightly different you know only species basically mm. but nothing nothing so dramatic that an event can't be done um and those checks are done a good couple of weeks in advance uh, before we actually land up uh on the event there's nothing worse than landing up and having trouble because you know i have not done any background checks or uh, tests or whatever it is okay. before i arrived there okay that's that's embarrassing to me and uh, never let that happen no i'm sure um so given that let's say you're performing an event uh, tomorrow for instance and uh, uh, there is uh, like the kind of inputs that you mentioned is required to set this up prior uh, do you actually do like a recce mm-hmm. uh, before or do you visit the spot before like couple of weeks personally at, at times at times at times uh, either rely on someone at times at the, at these days uh, you know everything comes in autocad um so even if you have an autocad drawing it's pretty easy to understand mm. you request for pictures if you remember back in 2005 there was no whatsapp true so you know everything that you got still came over low bandwidth email <laughs> you know so it took it took time back then now it's as simple as hey can i get five pictures of this venue at various angles or can i have an autocad file and uh, i plot whatever is needed on the autocad file and goes back and forth a few times and usually everything gets locked and confirmed in a few days um but yeah there are there are times when i have done recies or if i have not been able to someone else does a recie um and especially for larger events so you know what you're getting into uh rather than being surprised at the last minute but uh, i think these days autocad has taken over most venues have an autocad or at least someone can do a rough drawing sometimes it's it's i'd 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 uh, settle even for a rough drawing on a piece of uh uh like a paper napkin with some <laughs> basic measurements written as opposed to not having anything i'd settle for that also and we do get received like that sometimes i just say hey grab a paper towel and a pencil just draw something out oh nice and uh, send it across that's still fine interesting um a little while back you mentioned that in in the 2009 10 phase um you then switched yeah. to full time freelancing changing yeah. gears uh, you know from being uh, in a dependent setup where uh, there is an inbound already uh, client base coming in uh and and the onus is not on yeah. you to build the client base uh, for you it's more to perform um yeah. but then uh, yeah. to start of freelancing it's not like you're putting up a billboard somewhere and talking about it right um how do you how do you yeah. make yeah. the shift fully i i think the shift was more that with sound.com i was doing a lot of corporate work and when i set out to do this i set out to do music so the thing is that uh, i kept um uh, being with being in corporate shows and actually watching like you know at the end of a corporate show you usually have a band that performs and i was like you know i the corporate stuff is great but uh, i set out on this journey to do music mm. uh, or to mix music 
So uh, that was the right time, you know, uh, I got married and whatnot. So I was like, you know, now it's time to change gears. And the good thing is at that point, because of all the work with the company, I had made a good amount of contacts. Um, so at that point it was, Hey, you know, I'm not with sound.com anymore. And now I'm looking for a freelance gig. And if any of you guys are interested, um, I'm up for it. And thankfully, um, I, I shifted or the shift was pretty straightforward, just quite fast. And the first artist that I shifted with was actually Vishal and Shekhar. Hmm. Wow. That's quite a start. Yeah. I mean, at that time, you know, they were one of the artists that was doing a lot of corporate work. They still do. Um, and, um, they were one of the first ones that I ended up, uh, working with. Nice. Um, when you mentioned that, uh, changing gears, uh, from being this to then being an independent freelancer, was it more out of the need that you wanted to just do music? Because it sounds like a very altruistic, pure, uh, music at heart perspective that you wanted to pursue. And that's all that you wanted to do. Or was it also more of, of the freedom that you wanted to be your own boss and, and do things around as per your free will? Yeah, exactly. See, the goal never changed. It was just figuring out the route to get to that goal. The goal was always live sound for music, for bands, you know. Um, so that never changed. It was just a little detour for a few years to kind of, um, to kind of uh, get my skills completely in place, front end and back end. Um, and then when I have those, have, uh, see skills, there's no limit. Like, you know, I still, till today, everyone still learns something new. Mm -hmm. And the day you stop learning something new is the day you should probably give up and do something else. Mm. So, uh, I, I think that's, that's common with everything. If you don't learn something new on pretty much every day at work, um, then it's time to move on and do something else. So the, the skill it was just honing certain amount of skill before which you're confident to go out uh, and, you know, do stuff by yourself. So, yeah, it was a little detour, but that helped hone a lot of the skills, which were then very useful when I started uh, freelancing. So did you ever, ever question yourself? Because you also mentioned that uh, that was the time you got married um, and responsibilities kicked into yeah. your life. Um, it's not one person, it's yeah. two people managing life now. So uh, how, how did you, how yeah. did you think about managing your finances then? Uh, well, the good thing was that my wife was from the industry as well. Ah. So just like I did sound, uh, she did uh, video and video systems, um, you know, for LED walls and stuff like that. So the good thing is that we ended up traveling a lot together. Oh, lovely. Um, uh, I mean, so from, yeah, so from that point, it actually made perfect sense to kind of um, give up the work with the rental company and actually move on to a freelancing. So do you ever, ever get that perspective that, uh, you know, freelancing or, or maybe you must have thought about this, I'm sure, um, is that now the independent freelancer route is fine, but you also need to establish a proper entity, a company, hire people, build a structure, you know, an organization of sorts. Yeah. The good thing is that with this, you can work by yourself, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, I'm purely a freelancer. I get, I get hired by the artist or by the band or by the artist management. And, you know, I show up there with a few cases of equipment and a change of t-shirt basically <laughs> that's what it is so there's no there was no yeah i mean you have to set up a company name and you know obviously at that point service tax and gst and all that needs to right. be done but uh, beyond that uh, i don't really need to hire um as a freelancer and strictly as a freelancer you don't need, really need to hire people um i mean that's just how it is. No, that's wonderful. Um, so, uh, so, so the overheads are quite low. So essentially then you're telling that the overheads are low. Uh, it's, it's a one person yeah. technical driven chop. Um, yeah. and, and the exactly. only structure you need to form is because it's for GST and the taxation purposes, you need to form like a proprietorship. Uh, stuff for that. Yeah. I mean, the, the drawback is that you can't do more than one show a day because you can't be in two places at the same that's, time. That's very true. That's the drawback. You know, so, um, I mean, that's just how it is. So if you're cool with that and, you know, as long as you're working, I would say at least 20 days in the month, um, it, it's uh, pretty comfortable actually. That's brilliant. Um, with, with the work that you're doing, which is a lot of touring, uh, which is primarily touring rather, mm -hmm. uh, and also wearing the hat of yep. the market development manager for sure. How was it that you juggle both of these roles? See, the thing is the sure job actually came last year mm -hmm. and, um, 
you know and for me if there was one company that i would have ever joined as a manufacturer manufacturing base uh, would have been sure true uh, so it was quite an easy decision to go ahead um and fortunately a lot of my role at sure ends up being on the field in any case oh lovely you know um so you know gigging obviously you know sure work still comes first um but the thing is if it's weekends and you know saturday and sunday um you know there's you're free to do pretty much what you want and for example um you know if i'm out on a gig get to see what people are using what's new um you know any new mics that i like to see etc and then that's something that you kind of report back to the company hey you know <laughs> this particular nice. company makes these 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 microphones and these seem to be getting quite popular so are we coming up with anything like that etc etc so it's it's a lot of the the job involves being on the field in any case so from that point it would be a perfect or it is a perfect fit you know you're dealing with probably the biggest mind, microphone manufacturer 100%, in the world right uh, the most reputed and um, you know you get to use these products on a daily basis i've been or anyone's been using these products on a daily basis for you know over 60 70 years now so it's kind of a it was a perfect fit when this opportunity came along that's beautiful um with with what you're doing currently uh, which is dabbling both these roles um so is it also that you have to report like 5 days a week 6 days a week and and then probably not take up work which sort of you know uh intersects with this like do you have differentiations there see the the thing is i when i joined i kind of did not um you know i wanted to hold on to just like two or three of the main artists that i work with um and devote the rest of the time that i probably would do with traveling uh to kind of sure so yes i do have to dabble in you know a lot of um, company related uh, things hmm. but i would say sure as a company is made up of 80% of the people here are sound engineers you know um, that's the best and the only way you can connect with uh, an audience i guess uh, if you come from that background hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know i i can't sell uh, i'm i'm not going to be as good as selling a microphone to a user if i am not one of those users also very true that's basically how uh, we at the how we at the company think so we hire people accordingly you know uh, i can only sell something if i'm convinced it's going to work and especially in this in this domain where some of this equipment is very personal uh, to people very true you know it's it's not like going out and buying a buying a car for instance uh, your people will want to try they'll want to get their hands dirty for a while they want they'll want to try it in a concert uh, they'll want particular colors um they'll want to know you know various things about it so unless i'm convinced how do i uh, convince someone else or another engineer or an artist to actually go down the same route so from you you know so from so that far. point uh, balancing it has not been too bad actually this is interesting because uh, i was i was about to circle to the same thing that from whatever i've been hearing so far the common thread that i've been picking up is that uh, you are extremely passionate about the role that you're doing um it is it is probably not too much of backhand thought uh, about whether this will work out whether this will not it's just that following your instinct following your gut am i right with that hypothesis there's no question about that because the thing is if you like you know the first thing in my mind when i joined was am i going to be able to do justice number 1 or is my time going to get so distributed between the two that then neither of the one gets justice and i'd given myself a year to be very honest okay within a year i f- if i feel that i'm doing justice to both uh then i continue and if i feel i'm not doing justice to one of them uh, which would be the sure job then i go back to doing uh just my regular sound stuff because if there's one thing i dislike the most is taking up something and then not doing justice to it hmm. that is um, just in my books is uh, the waste of everyone's time not only you but the people that are hiring you as well very valid point very valid point so it was uh, you know it is see with all this it's um it's like you know we like to say it's not any different than a service job when i say service i mean it's not any different from either being a chef 
or being a pilot or being a or being a you know a waiter mm-hmm. in a hotel or being a hairdresser you could be the best chef in on the planet but if you cannot serve the customers if you're arrogant if you're you know x y and z you're not really no one's really going to come into your restaurant no matter how good you are true and it's the same with with this it's the same with the freelance audio business it's the same when you work for a you know a, a large mnc like uh, like sure so it's um, overall i can't complain it's 2 years now i'll be completing 2 years at the sure india office uh, in january lovely so those 2 years have just pretty much flown by i'm sure say. yeah i'm sure um, you know since you since you're so up close with the live music scene in india uh, and because you also are in constant touch with uh, peers globally um, very curious to understand uh, in terms of the audio quality the event experiences uh, the curation uh, how far are we in terms of the global standards or are we already there w- what is your take on the live music scene here in india it it is it's world class um there is no um see it, it's world class but it is bollywood but that does not mean it's any different from uh it does not mean the capability or the skill set is any different from anyone else anywhere in the world mm-hmm. okay and it is a big industry um uh, uh there is there is there's a lot of talent uh, there's a lot of talent still to come and uh, you know um anyone who frowns upon hey but it's only bollywood um i think is uh, grossly mistaken uh, either because they've not spent enough time in it or it's just uh, ignorance i would say but at the end of the day some of the music um that comes from a lot of the talented producers is uh, exceptional you know it's exceptional on a global scale so when you when you see these festivals of of the nature like tomorrowland and 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 things like that sensation yeah. uh, which are i understand the edm festivals yeah. and and they are massive in scale um yeah. the yeah. the close competitor would you say in india or or a close uh, analogy would be would be sunburn here yeah sunburn nh7s for example right uh nh7s uh, edm stage for example hmm. um you know and for example when was the last time you saw an empty nh7 or an empty sunburn you know it's never going to happen there will always be more than enough public even for our indian artists you know um in fact some of the largest audiences at nh7 for example have been from the indian artists not from any global artists oh and and why not you know at the end of the day we are um, you know at the end of the day this is the music that people listen to and um, it's only befitting that and indian artist gets an indian artist in india gets more recognition or better support or better i am not better support or uh, you know a better bigger following than uh, an international artist and especially when it comes to bollywood that's true so uh, do you think that uh, the kind of music that we produce here in india and what you mentioned is predominantly bollywood uh, across the festivals um is that like a major mm-hmm. export uh, from india as well globally Of course it is. Look at Mr. Rahman. Hmm. Hmm. I was about to come to that but but since you fit that cord so I will I'll probably let you take on that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see the the thing is um a lot of the music that's made here is known across the world. And it it's also known across the world because there are Indians across the world. You know, there's I I think in the past 20 years of traveling we've been to some vague places where you wouldn't imagine or you would wonder why there are indians in this place it's so far <laughs> off okay you know it's so or the place is so small or the place is so tiny okay you know but there are indians across the world and no matter what uh, nationality they are uh, at a certain level they're still listening to um, you know a healthy mix of uh, international music and a healthy mix of what comes out of india you know hmm. so there is no way that there are there are bollywood music stations across the world multiple in some of the bigger cities hmm. you know um so there's there's no there is no way that anything that's of good repute in india is not going to be known anywhere else in the world it's just natural there are people all over everyone's listening to them 
there are radio stations everywhere else and the bottom line is that the music is good there's nothing you know uh, you'd be hard pressed at times i mean currently listening to the current uh, hits you know that come out uh, you could replace those lyrics with english and they'd be as big a hit mm. you know so it's just the language that's different but the technicality and the production aspects and the production aesthetics and composition wise there's not much different to anywhere else in the world you know the guys are on top of their game there's no question about it so uh, what 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 are your personal favorite genres outside of bollywood i in fact listen to a lot of rock and roll a lot of metal uh yeah surprising but <laughs> i do <laughs> in fact i've been to a um, lot of classical concerts i follow a lot of classical indian classical and western classical both uh so so i mean i i generally if something is playing and i hear it and it just it it sounds good to me even if the song may be pretty cheesy it doesn't it doesn't matter as long as it sounds good to me uh or to my ears uh i listen to it i have no hang ups as in i won't listen to this or won't listen to that i just listen to everything whatever sounds good is good so i'm definitely exchanging some notes with you because um uh i'm 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 like pretty much like you in terms of musical taste uh, all over the place um but but there are some definite favorites in terms of house like electro house and and deep house and stuff like that yeah um so i'm definitely sharing yeah. some notes with you there yeah. well, I, have a, i have a funny story like i don't really get into the house and you know uh produced electronic music for example not much i mean that's not really my thing but uh, on a side note the one year that i did sunburn was a year that uh, Armin van Buren was performing. Mm. Uh, he was headlining that show and that gig just blew my mind. I was like there is something superman about this guy um and the material he puts out because when you actually hear it on a large see my thing comes from you know I'm not so much the lyrics guy I'm not so much the all that kind of stuff. My thing is the how does it what does it sound like? Mm, does it, it sound good so i i don't get into listening to that kind of stuff because you know it's not my thing makes sense but the thing is if i have a chance to actually listen to it on a very nice large pa system uh like i did for that one then i was like oh man this stuff is uh, fantastic oh nice so it's like, about the know, context that you're listening uh, to it's about the context that you're listening to you know alan walker for example armen van buren you know all the guys swedish house mafia etc et um I, i wouldn't listen to that on a day to day basis on a small set of speakers at ah, home ah interesting you know? but but uh, i'd be more than open to going to one of their concerts or working on one of their concerts out of which i i have worked on quite a few of them and when you listen to it in that context then it is it's mind blowing sick like, you know uh my exact thoughts at that armen van buren was a uh, show was uh it was just uh, literally outstanding like you know i i couldn't believe the production the actual production value that went into those songs um by this one guy it was it was spectacular you know i've i've never thought about listening to music this way i mean uh, i mean thank you for sharing it so beautifully and and i think so candidly because um for me it's always between the two years and and enjoying the music maybe increase the volume and have a vibe of it but uh, but i think i think shifting that perspective and listening to a different genre of music and and one that you may or may not regularly listen to but it may sound very interesting when you actually listen to like in a in a big concert kind of a setting exactly very, very interesting exactly i see another another thing for me is um say um uh, like a say western classical for example i don't listen to much of it at home uh but if i have to go to a theater uh, or to an auditorium and watch any of the concerts live there is no question about it you will find me first in line because wow. the context of listening to orchestral music at like an ncpa for example hmm. Hmm. or you know various theaters across the world it is it's a surreal experience that's where you're supposed to that's where you can really enjoy performances like that wow so uh you know my my take is little more it's what do i listen to on a day to day basis yeah whatever sounds good you know spotify you know i have my playlists mm-hmm. and all that but um if i was to listen to classical um i would like to actually experience it the correct way which is to be in a you know 
one of these historical theaters and auditoriums and experience it there uh, and similar with uh, you know like edm genres and stuff like that so i'd prefer to be in a large uh, concert hall and actually watch it live and watch it going down in real time that's as amazing. opposed to plug in headphones and listen <laughs> no that's amazing because i'm definitely going to be an, and thank you for shifting that perspective in me is that uh, i think going forward uh, there are there are some genres that i do want to listen to uh, more listen to jazz more listen to blues um, but i think hmm. i think the setting uh, listing that experience full blown in front of those people will be a whole different vibe and 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 I cannot thank you enough for for sharing that perspective I'll be a lot more open to newer experiences <laughs> so it's a very strange feeling like as much as you dis various uh, genres of music and then you actually experience it in the way it's supposed to be experienced and then your respect for that completely uh, completely changes that's at least in my experience Conquer, um, conquer with that viewpoint completely. Now on board with you. When, when as an anchor, uh, and I've and I've seen this uh, happen multiple occasions. You must have seen this in, in innumerable occasions. That uh, there is a screeching sound that comes in. Um, suddenly, I'm in the distance of 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 uh, the uh, you know microphone or the speaker. What what is that? What is that error there? What's happening actually? Oh, that's that's called feedback. Now that happens when a microphone is too loud, and is in front of a speaker system. so basically what happens is uh, the sound from the uh, speaker goes back into the microphone goes back into the speaker goes back into the microphone goes back into the speaker and it kind of compounds itself and that's called feedback and um, that's something that you never want to hear at a live show <laughs> true true so so how does one avoid that how does one not be in that situation then i mean firstly try and make sure that you're never in a circumstance when you're holding a microphone and in front of a speaker system that's okay. the first thing okay and if it's if it's unavoidable um which i don't see why but if it's completely unavoidable then there are certain tools not not tools but certain techniques to avoid that kind of stuff but um um we have circumstances where it's a large stage and there's a ramp you know 50 or 60 feet in front of the stage so you're nicely in front of the pa system when you're singing um but yeah you can't have um it's a common feature on most concerts these days in fact there's always a ramp and stuff like that mm, but mm. yeah you can't have feedback you need to figure out your life um as an engineer absolutely not as an artist absolutely. as an engineer you need to figure out your life and and make sure that does not happen at all absolutely i think that's one of the most un- unprofessional uh things to happen it's it's sometimes it's unavoidable quite rarely but it's one of the most um Uh, I would say from moments. an artist perspective embarrassing moments yeah for an artist also absolutely absolutely that's as avoidable as possible that's the first thing uh you know uh, uh, in one of the previous conversation that we were having offline uh, there are there are various kinds of uh, you know microphones that exist out there um and which is the condenser the dynamic um i'm i'm for the for the benefit of our listeners uh, how is it that someone actually goes about choosing a home studio setup which is which is comfortable but you know someone doesn't have the access to treating their room uh, basic diy setup what would be your advice fali um i would say like start safe and when i say safe is usually always a dynamic microphone you know start with that and a basic sound card um you know uh, start with something like that because uh, when you start at the bottom the only place the only way you can go is up hmm. so it's like you can then upgrade your mic you can then upgrade your sound card you can then do soundproofing you can do x y and z but um if you if the room is particularly not great and you start at the top like you know a nice 3 lakh rupee condenser microphone that you're going to be thoroughly dissatisfied <laughs> yeah but i mean there are people that do it You okay know, don't get me wrong there are people that do it okay. and then you are thoroughly dissatisfied and then the next call i get is hey i bought this expensive mic but it's not working for me and then you <laughs> go dig a little deeper a little late for then, that and then yeah the rooms yeah it's a little late for that you know you should have <laughs> just gone down uh, a little more bottom to top approach as opposed to top to down you know so um, there are a lot of misconceptions as to yes sure condensers sound better but they are also you know 100 times more sensitive mm. so unless your room is treated um it's a bad idea in fact it's a very bad idea 
uh i'm at i'm at home today not a really treated room nothing and i'm using a 7b which is pretty standard mm. uh but i'm sure if i had a condenser here uh you would be possibly hearing uh, maybe some of the kids outside or there's a uh, you know there's a remotely a uh, little uh, dog barking downstairs mm. you know if i remove my headphones and i can hear it i i hope you're not getting too much of that even though the door is closed but it's um it's a it's a thing and then if you want to do sensi if you want to do music and you're going to sing over it it's different because the music would mask it true true okay if there are small sounds the music is going to mask it but if it's a podcast like this uh, it's not there's nothing to mask yeah it's just the conversation uh, you can't mask this with anything it's just the conversation so it entirely depends application wise so if you're doing youtube style stuff pont you know your uh, podcast kind of stuff it's different if you're doing music it's completely different so you have to choose stuff based on your application and what makes the most sense for the application as opposed to what youtube and what influencers say is the best solution period <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately that's how it is when it comes to dampening uh, you know reducing the yeah. ambient sound uh, any advice there yeah yeah home you know everything from a thick curtain to towels to that's pretty diy straightforward but uh, you know um, your your non parallel surfaces need to be damped so don't damp exactly opposite surfaces you damp in like at a right angle so I see. the surface in front of you and the surface to the side of you so that the surface in front of you does not reflect off the back surface and the surface to the right of you does not reflect off the left surface okay uh the ma- the main thing we're looking to control is reflections in the room so um you that's why you you dampen always the um uh non opposite side so you can either do front and left or you can do back and right or you can do back and left you'll never do front and back for a home setup you'll never do front and back or you'll never do right and left you'll always do the non parallel surfaces uh to to at least to start out with mm. i would say mm. so that's that's extremely interesting um with the yeah. with at least when when the covid hit uh, and i think i mentioned this to you earlier as well that you know sitting under the blanket and recording was like a common sight and my parents would be like what the hell is this kid doing um and and it yeah. would be like yeah. a random sight and i'm sure across all the artists uh, who were who were trying to dabble and do a diy home setup uh, without uh, you yeah. know a lot of knowledge uh, obviously yeah. did not have information around this and some obviously yeah. also were working with condenser microphones which already aggravated to the problem yeah. that you already mentioned exactly uh, which which in your perspective have been some common uh, you know myth uh, that that you've often heard which is like the bad advice you hear across the years uh, for artists with microphones Oh, I, th- I think one of the biggest thing at the moment with especially inexperienced uh, people buying microphones is noise cancelling. You know, does this microphone have noise cancelling? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, uh, I kid you not, we get questions like that almost every other day. And we're like, you know, there's nothing like that because uh, my, my easiest example to them is, hey, are the windows in your car noise cancelling <laughs> as in if you roll up the windows can you still hear stuff outside <laughs> yes and like microphones are the same thing so you know unless it is if it is unless your car is in some isolated place with not a single person around and you roll up the windows then it is going to be quiet inside if you are driving down a street in mumbai with your windows rolled up you're still going to hear stuff from outside and microphones are no different your ears are like uh basically like a microphone so if you can hear it the microphone can hear it if you cannot hear it probably the microphone will not hear it so that's the after i give most people that one line then it's like oh okay now it makes sense uh so what you're saying is if i use so and so mic um i won't get any noise in my room and mm-hmm. that's absolutely false there is nothing like that <laughs> you know it's not like a noise cancelling headphone where you can put one switch and then you know suddenly noise to an extent disappears it does not work like that mm. at least up till today's technology true true microphones are so dear either to as a musician or or as a voice artist um uh, is there is there yeah. any advice that you recommend for how to maintain uh, these microphones especially when you're considering like a metro which is polluted and and humid uh, yeah. of that nature 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think of it as your baby. Like, would you, um, you know, make sure your baby is taken care of every day? Yes. Would you make sure that your baby has a shower every day? Yes. So the same way you sometimes use something as simple as a duster just to keep dust off the product at bare minimum. You know, just keep dust off the product. Um, you know, if the room is pretty humid uh, and it's an expensive microphone, try and make sure you have a dehumidifier or at least uh, if you have access to doors and windows, keep the doors and the windows open for the place to, you know, to uh, breathe a little bit. Um, in today's day of, you know, COVID, one of the worst things possible is, you know, not cleaning out the grill of your microphone or, mm-hmm. you know, recording someone today and recording someone else tomorrow. The easiest solution is to use a little alcohol wet wipe. Um, you know, you get them ready and just lightly dab on the grill just to clean it out a bit. But the thing is, it can't take into account things like, you know, misuse, like, you know, uh, it'll even survive a small dunk in water. Yeah, it will survive it. But, you know, there are times where we get microphones which are drenched in rain uh, because someone's forgotten to pack them. We get microphones that are maybe, you know, um, uh, you know, never cleaned out and then you have the grill kind of rusting and stuff like that. But that's all personal care that you need to take off your uh, product. It's not any different from taking care of your bike or your car or your cell phone, for example. You take care of all that, you take care of this as well. That's incredible. That's incredible to hear. Um, in in that similar breath, uh, you know there are there are percussionists, and 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 I'm not talking about the full blown drum setup kit. Uh, I'm yeah. talking about let's say a cajon. I'm talking about let's say a djembe. Um, yeah. How does one work around with creating uh, you know good quality output uh, with uh, uh, like a like a small setup of this kind? Yeah, there are always techniques for for a, for a. See, most of these percussive instruments, there are always two frequency um, zones, basically. There's a high frequency element and there's a low frequency element. Mm-hmm. So very often with like a cajon, a djembe, a darbuka, darbuka less, but you know, even if you see like a dholak or a dhol or a, you know, uh, any form of percussion, mm-hmm. uh, historically, if you see, always has a low element and has a high element. Uh, so for a, for a cajon, for example, there's a little port right. hole kind of thing right. at the back. That's the low element. That's Correct. where you get the, you know, the, the kick drum kind of sound Correct. and your fingers in the top where the springs are, that's where you get the snare kind of high sound. True. So you, you mic both, you mic, you know, one mic at the back, one mic in the front, uh, similar for like a djembe, you have one mic at the top, one mic at the bottom where the hole is. Um, it's quite an interesting, um, thing though that most percussion out there uh when it's a skin based percussion so mm-hmm. like you know it's a it's a frame right. with a skin pulled over right. it uh yeah there's always a low element and there's always a high element and uh, at times it's 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 always advisable to use two microphones one for the low one for the high i see so so basic would be like a two setup microphone necessary for for creating yeah. good quality output yeah. And again, it depends what you're trying to achieve. Now, if you're, say, for example, listen to the Jembe at the opening of, um, um, for example, the, uh, what is that song? The Hotel California, the acoustic version. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the opening of the song, there is a Jembe slash conga sounding instrument that's plays, mm-hmm. that's played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a djembe low and a conga high. That's what it is. I see. Uh, but that djembe low sounds like a kick drum. Now, if that's, like I said, it all comes down to context. If that's what you want to achieve, then you need the two microphones. But if you're using a djembe in, say, in, you know, a trance, uh, electro heavy music scene, you might not necessarily require that because there's already too much low end Got coming it. from the rest of the music. Mm. So then you might get away with just using the high of the high of the gym. So it it all eventually comes down to what context, you know, uh, if I'm using a djembe in say one of the regular Bollywood bands, it would be two mics, one up, one down. If I was using it maybe in a, you know, electro pop fusion-y kind of band may not be, I might go for a more natural sound, one mic kind of sound. It depends on context. It's completely context. True, true. So are there any artists, Fali, that you 
have on your wish list dream list that you want to work with that that list never changes <laughs> never 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 finishes right. it's always it's always one step at a time one step at a time but i i think i'm on a very happy place at the moment um because i'm i'm working with um two of my favorite artists of all times at least fr- from india and um uh, i'm very uh, grateful um uh, for that and that's I mean, going to work every day is 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 uh, joyous arm on anamitrivedi at the moment and you know going into work on one of their gigs is extremely um uh, rewarding uh, on a day to day basis so i have uh, i'm quite grateful for that brilliant brilliant fali it's been an absolute absolute pleasure chatting with you and uh, thank you so much for taking the time out i know you have a busy schedule you're ahead thank you so much for doing this and speaking with me yeah thanks for uh, inviting me to this uh, session it's been a good afternoon's chat before i head back to some emails and and excel files if you enjoyed this episode of jamsters please make sure you subscribe to eplog media and all major podcasting platforms such as spotify geo7 gana apple podcasts and google podcasts among many others for upcoming episodes you know i love listening from each one of you So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues and please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there and also if you're listening on Epilog Media they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too your support is my fuel you can connect with me on Instagram @hardikdivedya or on LinkedIn too catch you on the other episode